HTML is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out the Cage Club Network at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is ncu.html, and we're here to talk about something most of you have probably never seen. Pretty much, yeah. So, Marvel struggled for so long to try and figure out how to get the side content into their cinematic universe. There's so many things that they managed to cram into each one of these movies, and yet there's still so much that we're left going, wait, what? Yeah, and that is what Newsfront was an attempt to do. Uh, Announced about a year before Ant-Man came out, Newsfront was an attempt to have some sort of web series presence, I assume to build off of the quote-unquote success, question mark, of the Marvel one-shots. Marvel loves to do this thing where they call everything a success because that's the best way to convince other people that it was. And they're not wrong. No, they're most certainly not. But in this case, I kind of feel like this didn't do a whole lot. I got a lot about Scott Lang that I've been missing, but I feel like... I don't know, there just wasn't much here. Yeah, pretty much all this web series made me do was hate Christine Everhart, a character I was already on the fence about and really only liked because I enjoy Leslie Bibb from experience. And I also think that there wasn't enough actually going on to justify the creation of this, to justify recording it. So much of it was this sort of weird, giving Leslie Bibb an opportunity to be angry and fierce and forceful and i just kind of feel like it never really went anywhere it kind of felt like they were trying to make some sort of anti-super tommy lauren character before tommy lauren was even a thing in common vernacular as far as i'm aware and either way they managed to give us the only thing we really felt was missing from ant-man other than a slightly better script they gave us an understanding of why scott lang Yeah, we spent that entire movie wondering why the hell Hank Pym was so obsessed with Scott Lang. Maybe it's a line or two that I missed from the film, but I also was not aware that he was some sort of cat burglar. They continuously said he committed a hacking crime, that it was a cyber crime. I was aware that he stole a bunch of money and Robin Hooded it, but I didn't realize that he literally broke into somebody's house. I don't know... How I could have missed that, having seen Ant-Man at least three times now. But I was not previously aware that he literally burgled. And not only did he burgle, but he like sank a car into a pool. And I don't know, it just felt like they were trying to create context that they didn't have in the film. Maybe this was an attempt to kind of correct some of the problems with the script that kept getting rewritten and changing at the last minute. I don't know. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that it was announced that this would be happening this way, I would almost wonder if these were cobbled together deleted scenes, because it feels like this is information that's missing from the film at times, and I don't really know what other purpose it could serve, except that it has to stand individually, apparently. And it's interesting, because at the end of Ant-Man, we kept saying we didn't even know what we could get out of this, because we'd seen Ant-Man and we understood Ant-Man, so it couldn't make it that Ant-Man made more sense... But kind of actually it did. But only slightly. I didn't really feel that any of the stuff with Darren Cross added more layers to the character of Darren Cross or increased my understanding of the character. I got everything I felt I needed from the film. I think his scene could have been inserted into the film, 
I really liked James Rondell having a cameo as himself. He is an actual correspondent from Wired. It's always really cool, I think, when media does that. It's like how John Beard is the recurring news anchor on Arrested Development and is a real news anchor. I really enjoy stuff like that. It gives it more of a real-world touch. But most of the other stuff from this web series, everything except for the news tickers. The news tickers had some really interesting information that I'll get more into. But other than that, I feel like I got very little from the cross sequence other than he's smarmy. I got very little from the Scott Lang sequence other than he feels he did the wrong thing for the right reason and is being too punished for it. Which, again, stuff in the movie. Yeah, and I'll be real, this did not do much to make Scott Lang a more sympathetic character to me. He comes across very smarmy, very snotty, very snide. From the outset of the interview, it's not a very good performance from Paul Rudd either. As the scene went on, I felt it became more natural, but um, it wasn't his best performance. And I wonder if part of that is these things must be really awkward to have to do sometimes. It was a kind of explosive I don't feel we saw from Scott throughout the film, which, sure, he's in prison, he's under duress, he is being interviewed about something that he shouldn't be being so heavily punished for. But at the same time, I do feel like it was just a really weird performance. And then a really bizarre choice to play up prison abuse for laughs. What a shocking conclusion. He just got tased. I understand he had an outburst, but... I don't think that we should laugh at prison guards torturing people. I did also appreciate that he mentioned that the company that owns the people interviewing him is the company that he robbed from because one of the things the Marvel Cinematic Universe really wants you to understand is corporations are evil. Yes, yes they do. And it seems the thing they want you to understand with season two is that superheroes are evil. Would you like to move on to season two? No time like now. She gets a hot, hot co-correspondent. Yes, I remember Al Madrigal from the web series No You Shut Up, which I found hilarious, and so it was really cool to see someone that I recognized in a role similar to what I know him for in this series. You know, he comes across a little bit too sycophantic, but I think that's to counter Christine Everhart's far too harsh reaction to the Avengers and superheroes existing in our world. But it ultimately makes both sides look a little bit too crazy. I would have perhaps appreciated a more unbiased character being a third to contribute to this story. Because the dude makes a really excellent point. When the chips are down, you don't want to hear that a meeting is being held. You want to know that heroes are on the way. And unfortunately, Christine Everhart chose not to respond to that comment. And I would have loved to hear what a character like that had to say about that situation. Part of it is that they were trying to go for such a short burst of the moments they were like up oh, no quick argument cut away no quick argument cut away up oh, no quick argument cut because they're just these two minute scenes three minute scenes i think altogether the like 10 or 11 episodes of the entire series totaled 22 minutes it was just so little and so short and they tried to do a lot with it and i think ultimately they fell really flat it makes a lot of sense that marvel went on to abandon this sort of format as they went and it makes me sad because I did enjoy the concept of this show. The problem is I enjoyed the concept more than I enjoyed the execution. It's probably no surprise to anyone that the people who wrote these are not in any way involved in the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know I didn't do my usual BTS at the top of the episode, but that's because it's hard to find any BTS information about these. I was only able to find the names of two of the writers, 
one who wrote for both seasons and one who wrote for the second season. The first season writer uh, is a writer in the DC Entertainment Productions. Uh, He wrote for Green Lantern, the animated series, Justice League Action, and DC Superhero Girls. He also wrote for Lego Scooby-Doo, which I can only imagine is how he got the job co-writing the Supernatural Scooby-Doo episode this year. Possibly. Don't know. Hey, there's a crossover we're not covering. Huh, yeah. And then the person who joined him for season two is somebody that, no offense, dude, but I would kind of call a literal nobody, Jonathan Danforth Appel, A-P-P-E-L-L. This guy does not have very many credits to his name. His biggest credits are this, a short film called Hipster Holocaust from 2012, where a man takes bloody revenge on his hipster-infested neighborhood, and a... 2012 unfinished and unproduced web series called Jew on This, wherein the pilot, which is the only episode that exists, features two Jewish people exploring evil Christmas propaganda such as Who Celebrates Christmas, Hitler, Wario, and O.J. Simpson. Do you want to spend the holidays with those perverts? And it's set to music from Jurassic Park. I don't even know what you just described. I don't know what I just described. I really just wanted to say it because I always think of the Happy Endings Christmas episode where they keep referencing Jurassic Park. And so this like really lit up my brain being like, holy shit, who else conflates Christmas with Jurassic Park? And other than a couple of appearances from William Sadler as President Ellis, I really don't think there was too much that made this necessary to Civil War. No, absolutely. The coolest thing about this web series at the time was probably episode 5 that definitely featured new footage from Captain America Civil War and obviously featured some very heavy plot elements. It was the first broadcast mention of the Sokovia Accords, so it was a really cool teaser for the upcoming film. But like you said, other than minor bits here and there and a fuck ton of the stuff that was in the ticker, there isn't really anything to be gleaned from this web series that you couldn't have just gotten from the movies themselves. So let's talk about that ticker. Let's talk about that ticker. Well, there was a lot of really cool stuff in there, a lot of really awesome moments. I don't want to mention too many of them. Some are, you know, blinking you miss some gags. There's one that's talking about a celebrity who's starting a fashion line with burlap. There's a mention of a shawarma restaurant owner who's having a famous unnamed street artist paint a Avengers mural on the side of his restaurant as a clear note to the shawarma gag from the Avengers. Cute stuff like that. There's a reference to Jane Foster. That's really cool. Cute little moments like mentioning Steve Rogers attending a World War II museum exhibit. Stuff like that I liked. And then there's interesting stuff that almost seems like they might be seeds for future episodes. Like in season one, they mentioned Stark Industries starting a scholarship program, which, as we know, or if you don't already, well, once you watch Civil War for this film, is an, is a plot element that's introduced very early on in the film. So I have to imagine this was an attempt at seeding things like that. There was even stuff like nods to Stephen Strange, who hadn't even shown up in the universe yet. Yeah, season two has a mention of Dr. Stephen Strange revealing new life-saving techniques in exclusive WHIH interview, and it makes me wonder if there was supposed to be more news fronts. Doc Strange came out about six months after Civil War, so the timeline actually tracks that if they were going to make more news fronts, that would have been the film that the next one would have featured. But, I mean, obviously we never saw this series again, so... 
I wonder if it was just a law of diminishing returns and with so many other side projects like the Marvel Netflix universe, mm. the ABC shows, and increasing the number of films, it just became impossible to keep making these smaller projects. I'm really glad that you brought up ABC because there are a few references in the ticker that actually specifically pissed me off, specifically in season two. There are two notes in the ticker. One is Transia Corporation announces interim CEO, and another is ATCU continues investigation into militant organizations that destroyed their facility. Both of these are references to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and in fact, the first one, the Transia Corporation, is a reference to an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one singular episode, that aired earlier in the month from when this web short came out. Now, I love interconnectivity, as I have mentioned repeatedly, but we've also mentioned repeatedly there seems to be a huge disconnect between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we see coming out in theaters. There seems to be absolutely no corroboration between the two, to the point where there are frequently plot holes between the two. So it really actually kind of bothers me to know what little regard the theatrical MCU has for the televised MCU for this in-between thing, this web series, to be mentioning that series. I wouldn't be as bothered if I felt like there was connectivity and I felt like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was important to the MCU that we see in theaters, but we're repeatedly told it's not, so to have these minor references in something that is supposed to be backup material for a major film, it really bothers me. Either it's part of the same story or it's not, but these little in-between things make it really difficult to juggle what we're supposed to follow. And I think that's even the point of this. We thought that these weren't necessary when we went into it, we're walking away feeling they weren't necessary. At the end of the day, it's easier for Marvel to make films that are loosely connected with a number of continuity errors than it is to make multimedia. We've always said that you shouldn't have to read the comics or watch the one-shots to understand anything. So it's a really good thing that we didn't have to here. But at the same time, I don't know, this is kind of a waste of my time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's on the one hand good that you don't have to watch those things but if they exist you want them to be worth watching there's a few other moments in the ticker that i thought were interesting it mentions in season one that efforts to recover the remaining ultron technology continue as components from the advanced robot are capturing large sums on the black market i don't know if that is also from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know if any of the ultron tech ever made it into the storyline on that show i'd really be interested to know because once again, we're talking about the show we're told doesn't have a connection to the movies, and yet it seems sometimes it does when it's convenient. Otherwise, that feels like a really random plot thread to bring up the potential of seeing Ultron tech again. And so far in the four years since Age of Ultron came out, like I said, unless it's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we certainly haven't seen anything about it in the films. And there's little things like that. They mention that there are unseen documents belonging to Erskine discovered in New Jersey. That's not followed up in the films, as far as I know, certainly. I wonder if they were like, hey, throw things at the YouTube and see what sticks. Yeah, kind of. I loved other things. I liked that there's a mention on the ticker about the Culliver University Library. I actually, when I saw that, thought that was strange, and then in the very next episode, they mentioned the Culliver University attack from the Incredible Hulk, 
And so I really liked that reminder of that film and the attention to detail, especially because we know we're going to be seeing Thunderbolt Ross in Civil War. It was nice that he got a few mentions in this web series. The ticker mentions that he's retiring from the army. I don't remember how that fits into Civil War. So that's going to be interesting because we know that he's still at least working with the government as far as into Infinity War. Yeah, I wonder if maybe everything that happens with Civil War stops his retirement and that's just another reason to hate superheroes. Yeah, basically, you know, they did a really good job of a concept I don't like, which is pointing out how gray this world is sometimes. There's two different mentions in the ticker of two competing biopics for Trevor Slattery. There's a WHIH special report about Alexander Pierce, one of the most controversial figures of our time. He was a fucking Hydra agent, and yet Vistacorp is trying to make it look like he's more complicated. It's an interesting mirror of our own world and how it's really hard sometimes to get people to see figures for who they really are. There's always going to be someone who's going to support Hitler, Trump, any pundit who it might be obvious that they stand for something bad, but you're still going to get someone who's saying, maybe he's not that bad. I don't personally like that in my stories because I feel like we get enough of it in reality, but at least it's an attempt to make this universe where it's aliens and gods and super men and women a little bit more real. So before we move on to Civil War, one of the more memorable Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, are there any last thoughts on the least memorable part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, not a ton. I had been hoping for more when we went into this. Unfortunately, I didn't expect a ton, and that expectation was met. One thing I really did like, though, was toward the end of the second season of Newsfront, there is a very small mention in the ticker of the fact that Vistacore has been indicted on charges of secret surcharges for cable TV customers. So it's really funny after season one, and Scott Lang trying to speak out against Vistacorp, but they tried to put in a little reference to the fact that, no, Scott Lang is right. And so is his team in Civil War. Yeah. What I remember about Civil War most is I can't remember what team anybody's on except for Tony and Steve being on opposite teams because there were so many rewrites and so many rumors and so much circulating, and there are so many characters that flip-flop during the movie that I feel like whether we're talking about from first day of script writing to last day of script writing, everything was rewritten so many times. I think at one point Cap might have been Team Tony. Uh, I also love that this is, of course, the first appearance of the Incredible Black Panther, the wonderful Spider-Man, and uh, the last appearance of Hawkeye for quite a while. Uh, um, yeah, and you know, it's funny you mentioned Hawkeye. I was going to say, especially after our episode on the Winter Soldier and learning that Hawkeye was potentially going to be against Cap, but secretly not against Cap the entire time. It certainly gets confusing to understand who's playing which side. Is uh, is Nick Fury going to be in this one? I can't remember. I think he was supposed to be and he wasn't. I'm pretty sure this is the film that Samuel L. Jackson very publicly took shots at Marvel for leaving him out of. Hmm. Which begs the question, which side would he have been on? He felt like he would be the dad who came in and fixed everything. That's not a movie, though. Well, tell that to Samuel L. Yeah, I'm not telling anything to Samuel L. Jackson. You tell Samuel L. Jackson. And on that note, Kevo, where can everybody find you? 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kevo Raley. You can also, as always, check out our amazing, inclusive, diverse comic, Kid Riot, over at KidRiotComics.com, as well as our awesome Kickstarter, still available through links on this site and on our website. Additionally, you can check out my music project, Action Duo, at Facebook.com slash Action Duo, as well as my other shows on this network, like X's for Podcasts, which Kevo and I make with our boyfriend Jonah and our best friend Kyle, and Now and Again, which I make with my childhood best friend Chris, where we review Now That's What I Call Music, the pop collection, in order. Also, don't forget to check me out on Instagram at NicoAction. All right. Until it's time to get civil with our wars, we'll see ya. I'm Kevo, and on behalf of Nico, thank you for watching Newsfront. Thank you.